I'm very curious about things like open source um, hardware and software, and how do, how do we as a global community come together to do something huge? You know, so I always wonder to myself, what if we came together in all different parts of the world to, for example, make a space program? You know, just people like amateurs, professionals, anybody who's passionate. Let's actually figure this thing out. And yeah, you need loads and loads of money for sure. But maybe there's another economic model. Maybe there's a way that we can work together. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today on the show, we've got Carlos Salaf. Carlos, thanks for making time. Great to be here, Jess. Thanks for having me on. So uh, you have got a little bit of a, a non-traditional career, non-traditional title here. When you, when you go to a party and people ask what you do, how do you introduce yourself? What do you tell people that you do? Mm, I, I usually say designer because I don't want to be put into a box and be known as the car guy or anything else. I, I try to keep it pretty broad. So I say designer and then we can go start from there. Sure. So um, this is one of the episodes where I really, really wish we were a video show so that everybody could see this like amazing car that got my attention to look you up and I'm, sh and I'm sure has done uh, some great things for you. Can you talk about this first and then talk about the other things that you do and and uh, we'll go from there sure well the the cars you may have seen were independent projects that I did that um, it was sort of like a burning in my like fire in my bones really after working for almost a decade in the the car industry as a designer um, I, I really saw a lot of reasons to create something more free and artistic and really focus on um, the experience I was creating almost like a film director and um, really focus on authentic materials and expression and think about the, the vehicle more holistically as well. Um, because as a, as a designer in the industry, you're really just thinking about what you see and touch the, the outside, whether it's the interior or the exterior. Um, and I really am interested in, in the engineering side of things as well. And uh, I enjoy building things with my hands. So essentially, I um, started two different projects, one with a chassis from scratch and the other based on an existing car, uh, the Lamborghini Gallardo. Um, and those two gave me an opportunity to, to literally um, cut, you know, body panels and uh, glue things and uh, really think about the, um, the guts and how that relates to the exterior and really think about it as a whole system. And uh, as a kid growing up, I was always tinkering and making RC radio controlled airplanes and cars and building rockets and just making things. And so for me, uh, a, a great design project is one where I can really think about the whole thing, how it's made, how, how the components affect the, the whole kind of character of the, the project, as well as what you see, the, the, the outside, the skin. I love it. Well, if anybody wants to see this amazing supercar looking craziness uh go to salaff.com which is not pronounced salaf as i butchered it the first time it's salaf people okay but go, go to salaf.com uh this thing's amazing so um can you talk a little bit about 
BMW and Art Center and Mazda and and what you feel like that gave you as far as a, a foundation to be doing what you're doing now? Yeah, I mean, I think the first one is just mileage, the old 10,000 hours of just practice. Um, I was able to work with a lot of talented people and see their ways of working and the ways of their ways of leadership and um, and see a lot about the industry, um, what I what I liked about it, what I what I enjoyed, and also what I found very frustrating, um, and that really led me to the later projects. Uh, you know, for example, uh, one thing was just the the amount of talent that I saw, the people that I that I worked with um, was amazing, and you could really just throw a dart at a, at a wall of sketches and, and hit the wall, and wherever it is, wherever that dart lands, you're gonna have a great car in your hands. And there was so much anguish over decision making. And of course, you're talking about billions of dollars here. It's not just some cavalier decision. Um, but there is something about design that is a gut feeling. And uh, there was a whole lot of just exciting stuff there. And many times we would create a round of prototypes that were all lovely and then wait a few months. And then that would just sort of fade into the distance when we'd have to shelve those. And then we'd do another round that were great and shelve those. And that became one thing that was quite frustrating when I wanted to move in a straight line rather than zigzag like that. And kind of sometimes it felt like a mosquito flying around in different directions, kind of aimless. And rather than just go on your gut, that worked. Let's go. Let's build that. That's a great design. So, yeah, that was one thing. So. You know, with the C2 and the other things you've done, um, kind of building on that base, but then, you know, maybe getting out of the bureaucracy and being able to actually get stuff and get it out there. Um, can you talk about things like, you know, how much attention the car got at Pebble Beach or just other things that you feel like have have really been a launch pad to help people recognize your hard work? Yeah, I would say that... Well, can you tell people why Pebble Beach matters to car people first? I guess I shouldn't assume everybody knows. It's a big event on the car on the car enthusiast calendar. It's uh, they show classic, legendary vehicles at Pebble Beach that have been taken care of, and so it's it's sort of an annual pil- pilgrimage for people who love cars, and they also introduce new designs that they believe will become classics in the future. And there's a part of the venue called the concept lawn where that is done and, and the newer designs are shown. And um, in the C2, the car I showed at Pebble was shown on the concept lawn, which was a huge honor. And it was it was a big step in my career to be able to show my work to the world. And so, yeah, it was a big milestone. You know, there, there's so many folks, um, you know, before we started the show, I was telling you about that I'm an art school dropout and that. You know, there's so many of us uh, from that world who've drawn a million pictures of cars in our sketchbooks. And I mean, even my teachers at the little private art school I went to in uh, near Jackson Hole out in uh, eastern Wyoming or eastern Idaho, where I went, um, there was maybe like six or seven art center grads there that were the teachers. So I was really excited. But, you know, my my professors who are art center grads, some of them still wish they could have gone back and been car designers. Right. So there's such fascination with it. There's such global interest in it. What do you attribute to the fact that you've been able to break through? Like there's so many great artists and so many of them have not been able to accomplish what you've accomplished. If there is something different about you, what do you think it is? Hmm. I think I've, I've always believed that I can find a way to pull it off. Like 
I'll, I'll be resourceful and just find a way to do things. And I, I just don't, if I really love something and believe in it, I'll jump in with both feet and just do it. And sometimes I fail spectacularly and I don't always get everything right. And I look back at designs I've done and go, oh man, I could do that so much better. But it's sort of like, I, I recently heard this story, Robert Downey Jr. was uh, saying that he did this movie called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And he said that that film was a, a box office bomb, but that is the movie, it's his, he feels like his best movie. And also the movie that got him the Iron Man part. John Favreau saw that movie and goes, oh, this gotta be perfect in an action flick and let's get him into Iron Man. So I, I almost feel like it's always good to put, if you feel strongly about what you're doing and you believe in it, put it out there because somebody will see it. Even if what you're doing then is a flop in the eyes of the world, like someone's gonna see that and, and get what you're doing and go, oh man, they'd be great for this other project. So that's, that's been a big lesson for me. I, so that's something I really identified with. And when I put the C2 out there, I got, I got contacted by people that were doing different things that saw innovation in what I was doing. So I guess I've never, long story short, I guess I've never been afraid to just put, put the work out there and, and go for it. And I think that's maybe part of the reason, um, the resourcefulness and just, just the fearlessness of putting the work out there. I mean, it's still scary. Don't get me wrong, but I do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm interested, you know, looking at all the folks, you know, you, you obviously, before putting in all that work to make this physical model and to actually show people instead of just drawings, you know, where they get the look at, taste it, feel it, touch it type of experience of, of being there in person, looking at this thing instead of just concept drawings. Right. And you yeah. get attention from GQ and top speed and Rob report. And I mean, the list here is really long, right? Um, I'm interested um, when you think about how this has been able to produce um, that type of exposure for you. Um, if you had advice for the rest of us who maybe we're growing a business, maybe we're um, maybe we're an executive at a company that's trying to do something innovative within the firm, and the rest of us are trying to get some attention for what we're doing, what kind of principles can you pull out from your experience that you think might apply to to the rest of us? Definitely what I, was, what I was saying about not being afraid to put your work out there, show what you do, and other people out there will identify with what you do. That's really big. Um, even doing the C2, it started off as a solitary endeavor. And once I started putting the work, I made the decision early on to not do it quietly undercover, but to put it out on social media and put the build out there. Um, on Instagram so people could see it on, on LinkedIn uh, on these platforms and as the project got steam and got attention I found great people that believed in it that wanted to help me out and work with me and um, so it got some grassroots elbow grease you know and helped things move along and so that's that's really big I think just showing what you do uh, with share what you do and yeah. I've got to bring this up for people um you know, your Instagram, I feel like could just be printed as an ebook, like a like a how to tutorial on how supercars are invented here. So anybody who wants to see this, go to Carlos underscore Salaf uh, is is his Instagram title. As you scroll through this, I mean, it's you're seeing these absolutely gorgeous uh, shots at the top, but you go back and you're seeing all the way back to you making stuff out of cardboard and like it really is like a, a look behind the curtain. I'm not surprised this generated so much interest. 
Thank you. Yeah, everyone, I, I mean, I think a lot of people have that sort of a dream and it sparks people's curiosity when they see somebody building something that, you know, that they dream about. So it always does for me. Those are the kinds of people that I, I'm always interested in that just are going for it. Um, hey, by chance, do you know the, the poet and author Austin Kleon? He, I've heard of him. He wrote uh, the which an art book. Did he write? Yeah, a book he wrote "Steal Like an Artist," "Show Your Work," yeah. and then the new ones keep going. Um, and I'm just kind of chuckling here because I love that guy's stuff so much. And he is, you know, because he's become so successful, he's constantly having young people say, or, or really anybody say, you know, how do I get noticed? And uh, I'm just laughing that your advice echoes his so much. Of he said his advice is share your stuff online and then wonder with other people. And so mm. the idea that you were open to having other folks get involved and stuff, I'm sure just was a personally rewarding, but b like professionally very growing of your own Rolodex. Is that, is that a fair guess? Yeah. And I'm actually a lot more interested in, in it now after getting a taste of that. And I'm very, I'm very curious about things like open source um, hardware and software. And how, how do we as a global community come together to do something huge? You know, so I always wonder to myself, what if we came together in all different parts of the world to, for example, make a space program, you know, just people like amateurs, professionals, anybody who's passionate, let's actually figure this thing out. And yeah, you need loads and loads of money for sure. But maybe there's another economic model. Maybe there's a way that we can work together. And it's, it's there's like a beautiful unifying theme. It's very Star Trek, you know, um, just being able to work across the world with somebody in Africa or in the Middle East or wherever it may be and, and creating a project together. And that's more possible now than ever through the Internet. And uh, so I'm, I'm always kind of obsessing over how, how to get huge things done as a collective and then also how to make that viable as an economic model, because that's always the trick. So I've thought about a lot more about economics lately. <laughs> yeah. Well, can we can we talk about this? I mean, I think about all of my, you know, I think about so many of my friends that I was in art school with back in the day. And, you know, they're, it's a very different world. You know, I, I have been lucky enough to take some classes at Harvard Business School on private equity and venture capital, right? Those people that I was in that class with don't have a lot of obsession with how am I going to cover the mortgage, right? The, <laughs> the economic model is pretty built in, you know. But, right. but my friends that I went to art school with, I mean, so many of them have gone out and started um, advertising agencies or different things like this if they wanted to keep doing art, right, mm -hmm. and have it pay the bills. Right. And, um, you know, I don't know how many people know this, but, like, the way I had Art Center described to me is um, by actually learning from working professionals, even though, you know, it's you're, <laughs> you're going to pay for it like it's Harvard, you have such a high chance of actually being able to feed your family on art if you make it through someplace like Art Center. I guess I'll start there. Do you have any comments about that? Do you see it differently? No, I, I definitely think there's huge value in it if, if you can get there on, either on a scholarship or, you know, working nights or <laughs> working and drawing nights. Um, I see a huge value in the, the community you build up from immediately being in an environment where you can learn from others at a really intense level. And then knowing people, yeah, who are active in the industry and becoming, you know, having growing relationships with, with very talented people in the industry by the time you graduate, that can be, you know, that can lead to jobs for sure. And and later on, you, Art Center is such a, such a rigorous experience that later on, you, those are friends for life. 
and your 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 classmates becomes. I, I still keep in contact with people all over the world that I went to art center with, and um, we're tight, and we'll do things for each other. So there's a whole lot of value that comes out of an education like that. It's yeah. Well, and for people who don't know, I'm just realizing we should probably cover this. We're talking about the Art Center College of Art and Design in Pasadena, California, and the the professors are almost all or are all, you can correct me here, Carlos, people who are making money at the top of the industry designing Ferraris or other things, and uh, and then they also teach a bit at Art Center. Um, is, is that a fair... Or, or am yes. I am I correct in that, or or do you need to correct yeah, me there? Yeah, And then you also have people who are legends in their field who have gone into teaching full time. You know, really, it's a good mix. But but what's so different? I think like I think about my classes. Right, I had a I had this oil painting teacher who, mm-hmm. you know, he he was a good painter, but he had gone straight from art school to teaching art, and his his advice and his um when when I think about like following patterns like standing on the shoulders of other people's successes right he would have been really good at helping us learn how to become an art teacher right but i don't know so much about a successful painting career right which Mm. is you know fine art fine arts even harder than commercial art right and then i look at again these kind of handful of art center grads that that taught at this at our school it's byu idaho now and um i mean it's funny when you said the word mileage like jeff carter one of my heroes the guy who said he would love to go back and do transportation design, right? He was just constantly telling us it's about mileage. How much mileage can you put on that pencil? That's going to make your difference. So I was laughing when you brought up that word. But when I think about who we learn from is very, very much just a, a leverage point and a trajectory of where we're going to get to. Like, it's very hard for people to teach us patterns of how to accomplish something they haven't accomplished themselves. In, in my opinion, what would you, do you see it different or how would you say it? Yeah, I would agree with that. You're going to immediately trust somebody who has done it and, uh, and to practice something with someone who's very experienced, a master at what they do is it's invaluable. Uh, and to see how they would deal with decision-making um, you learn a lot from somebody like that and you go, oh, wow, that, that actually makes a lot of sense. But sometimes you go, you know, I would do that differently. And sometimes you do what they say and then you regret it. You go, oh, man, I wish I would have followed my gut right there. That would have come out better. And so either way, you're going to learn a lot about the way to, from someone else. And, and you learn a lot about yourself in that process, too, about sticking to your gut and knowing which gut voices to listen to and and also when to get out of your own way and, and let somebody else shine. And there's just a lot of a lot of value in that. Well, maybe we can. I know we're about uh, we're about at time for for part one of the interview here. Um, maybe in part two we can talk more about how being extremely selective in whose patterns we're going to follow, you know, increases the chances we actually get somewhere because everybody's got opinions, everybody's got theories. Um, yeah. But but they don't even know where they're wrong if they haven't done it right. Um, but maybe to end part one here, you know. You get you get interviewed, you get attention from, you know, GQ and Rob Report and stuff. When you think about um, the attention you get, what's something, maybe as a closing question here for part one, what's something that people don't ask you enough about that you wish they would ask you about? What do you like to, what are you interested in besides cars? Okay. <laughs> you know what? Let's do this. Let's actually make part two of the interview largely about that. But but give us a taste. G- give us a little list. Give us some some 
uh, a teaser for what we'll talk about in part two. Sure. Well, um, right now I'm working with a really interesting startup that's essentially, in my opinion, creating the evolution of what comes after the type of car um, experiences we have today. Um, and I've I've been approached, you know, after my car designs by somebody who wanted to create um, aerospace projects and talked about getting into uh, creating a um, EV taller, better known as a flying car, you know, and that really whetted my interest in that. And I, I, you know, heavily researched it and, and see it as a, a big opportunity. And so those kinds of things where the next evolution of our, of our travel is something <laughs> I find fascinating and, and want to be a part of. I love it. Um, is that vibe that you're talking about? Vibe is the company I'm working with. The, the first one I told you about, about sort of the next step in our, our commuting. I love it. Well, um, what is, for, for people who want to connect with you, wh- what's the best way or for people that want to follow what you're up to? Is it the website? Um, anyway, it's good. The website is good. Um, there's a contact form on that. Or if you're on social media, um, I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn as well as Instagram and Facebook. So okay, well, I have Salaf business pages on both as well. If you want to go that route, but I also have a personal page and answer those. Yeah. Okay. Well, everybody, that's Salaf.com, S-A-L-A-F-F. Please tune in to part two. We're going to be hearing about uh, the other things besides cars that Carlos does. Thanks so much, everybody.